Welcome to The Big Playback. If you've been a record collector or even a casual record buyer in the last decade, chances are you've come across a few reissue compilations that have shaped what you listen to. 60s garage box sets like Nuggets or Pebbles, niche releases like Cambodia Rocks, entire labels devoted to a particular genre like Trojan Records, not to mention the abundance of both traditional and pop music from all over Africa, filtering into the Western record-buying mainstream since the early 2000s. From Afrobeat and High Life to Ethiopian jazz collections, making names like Mulatu Astatka or Ibo Taylor a common reference amongst Western music enthusiasts. So where does all that material come from? Compilations, by nature, imply taking other people's work into your own hands. Often it's historical or culturally specific material being presented by someone several degrees removed from the source itself. Whether they mean to or not, diggers, DJs, and aficionados take on the role of the archivist and wield a great deal of influence, as much in what they include as what they omit. Because ultimately, whoever owns the record owns the story. This episode looks at the role of the archivist from all sides, and we'll hear from professor and sound scholar Mele Yamomo on the nuts and bolts of what it means to decolonize, journalist-turned-label founder Vic Sahoni offering alternative histories of the Global South, and Kalab, a producer-DJ using archival material as a springboard for collaborations in the here and now. But first, the music. The inspiration for this episode is a group in Indonesia called Irama Nusantara, who have made it their mission to slowly digitize Indonesian music one record at a time, with a priority for the oldest first. They were featured in the 2020 online edition, Reports from Other Continents, a short documentary with the guys involved, most of whom are either musicians or artists themselves, explaining what they're doing and why they're willing to spend so much time on it. What caught my attention, though, was a very clear yet very quick comment one of the members made that as a nonprofit, they could use some support in their efforts. Quote, maybe from the Netherlands, since they kind of robbed us. 
First, a little background for the uninitiated. Indonesia is an archipelago, so it's an island nation, in fact the world's largest, of literally thousands of islands, 922 of which are permanently inhabited. The major centers being Java, where we find the capital Jakarta, Sumatra, Sulawesi, the Lesser Sunda Islands, where we find both Bali and Timor, the western half of which is Indonesian, the Maluku Islands, and western New Guinea, including Papua. Sure enough, the largest archive of Indonesian records and artifacts is located in Leiden, in the Netherlands, a historical university town, which seems pretty odd until you remember the Netherlands' centuries of colonial history there. With that in mind, the impression of this small group determined to create a record of their own culture's history through music took on a whole different dimension. So I wanted to find out a little bit more about their project. Was the motivation musical enthusiasm or a sense of cultural responsibility? And what would they do with all that material once it was recorded? In other words, what does the project mean for them? If you head on over to iramanusantara.org, and I strongly suggest that you do, You'll find a seemingly endless series of thumbnails with original album artwork, beautiful examples of music from the 60s to 90s primarily, and a simple player to hear each one. No fast forward, no download, just pause and play. And unless you can read Bahasa, you won't find much info besides catalog numbers and release dates, but you will definitely find something worth listening to. My own discovery and subsequent obsession was Eli Kasim, a rich and prolific vocalist whose style depended greatly on whatever backup band she happened to be playing with. Hello everybody, I'm Koben from Iraman Santara and I'm here with Gary. Hello, I'm Gary. I work with Koben at Iraman Santara too. My encounter story with these archives is a long story of my musical experiences. I started to love music from a box of cassette tape collection of my dad. From there, I know the Beatles, Queen, and other Western classic rock music. I felt like there's no cool music in Indonesia, but in about 2011, when I also have started to collect vinyls, I knew a compilation of Indonesian 70s psychedelic song was released from Now Again Records. It's called Do Shocking Shaking Days. From there, I knew that Indonesian music from the past are also cool. Eventually, I saw an introduction video from Iram Nusantara in my Facebook. Uh, Iram Nusantara was just started. Uh, I was very amazed about what they were doing and from that video, I just aware about what is archives and the problems that 
I really felt before about the information gap between any generations in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think besides the nostalgic value, these archives could help us to connect with our own history through different musical style or uh, for its certain era, to learn and to extract our uh, lessons from our older generations. Well, to be honest, Indonesians are bad at archiving and documenting things. A big portion of it caused by the fact that most Indonesians follow oral tradition. It also built in our tradition and general characteristic of Indonesian that we should put the, behind any grudge and bad memories and just keep on going. While there's a positive side on that, but this creates a big problem also in the future. We don't have enough writings and documents on what happened in the past. Yeah, I think it's not only about the accessibility from the archives. I don't know how the people think here about archives, but maybe because that oral tradition that Coben said before, mm-hmm. uh, it makes Indonesians don't care to keep Uh, documents or anything like that, we usually throw it away. Throw it away. Yeah, throw it away. We have digitized about 6,000 records until now, but still Indonesian people can get easily what the importance of doing this. Mm-hmm. So I think the greatest challenge that we have to solve is make what we did in Irama Nusantara became meaningful for Indonesian people, at least for the music industry. Because major problem for us concerning accessing historical information. Right. It's been only about two decades ago that our government starts focusing on cultural archives. There is still many problems about open accessibility. For example, is our national archives. Uh, when we want to search something, we still have to search it in physical catalog. Right, still in handwriting, right? Yeah, right. We would like to be able to archive all records from all over Indonesia. The nation is really vast and consists of many islands, and almost in every region, they have their own record labels, companies that may not be heard nationwide. Yeah, to be honest, we want to make our music works became a general talks in our daily life. We are really envy how we can talking about Western musician like the Beatles or any other musician very very deep in daily talks, but we cannot discuss about who is being slammed or another huge musician like Dara Puspita or uh, the legendary Kus Plus. Lo- lo- local musician, right? Yeah. It's 
It's nearly 10 years since the group was founded, and it's clear that they've built something wonderful. And they have other ventures, articles on the history of Indonesian music, and an e-book about 60s music in particular that just came out recently. Over a few conversations, we tried to uncover what kinds of support they're looking for to keep growing. And like most projects, though funding is the first concern, knowledge sharing is a big theme for them as well. Workshop, I think, or some kind of knowledge sharing from professionals in audio engineering, because all crew from Irama Nusantara has been doing this by learning from experience and self-taught process, not from formal education or courses. Uh, but not only audio engineering, maybe about archive management and technical things that support the database system, I think. As a first collaboration, member Alvin Yunata has contributed an article on the history of Indonesian music entitled Rock and Roll is Forbidden Here, translated for the first time into English and published on the Guess Who website in connection with this episode. It's a fascinating piece of context for the music which really complements the listening experience. Alvin details how Indonesian youth of the 50s and 60s, living in the brand new world of post-colonial independence, were experiencing a flood of cultural information from the West and electrified by rock and roll, while negotiating a government which was systematically outlawing anything overtly Western, fearing a return to European imperial control. The result is evidenced across the incredible musical output of those decades, an amalgam of traditional and local sounds with rock and roll influences woven in, attempting to slip beneath the radar of censorship, entire new genres of music being born in the process. Do check out the article. They've even attached a playlist of corresponding tracks, all linking back to iramanusantara.org. And join us for the next installments, as we unpack the finer points of decolonizing sound archives, among other things, with sound and performance scholar Dr. Mele Yamomo, examine an alternative way of doing reissues with Vic Sohoni of Ostinato Records, and hear how globetrotting Italian DJ and producer Calab has turned experiences working with archival material into inspiration for present-day collaborations. Next time, on The Big Playback.